Petersfield's Shine Radio. Good morning, listeners of Shine Radio. It's a Rise and Shine show. Bright and early, you're listening to Jack Finch and Todd Apps' show. It's Jack Finch right this moment in time. Um, this now, this I have to be transparent, uh, listeners. This is pre-recorded. It would be, um, it would be uh, rather uh, over the top to be drink, to be having, to be sat in the pub at six, seven, eight in the morning. So I'm here at the Queen's Head and Sheet with Dominic Martin. Um, Dominic is um, standing for the Liberal Democrat Party for the local parliamentary constituency and he's here to talk to us a little bit about that. Good morning, Dominic. Hello, Jack. Nice to see you. Nice to meet you. Yeah, thank you for coming on. We've been talking for some time. I'm glad we managed to make this work. Good. And um, we're very excited to have you on. Obviously, um, always interested to hear local voices and you've got an ambitious, um, uh, you know, uh, sort of plan ahead, which I'm looking forward to unpacking a little bit. So firstly, with you. Starting with a man underneath, you know, representing this obviously political party, um, you, Dominic Martin. What's a little, little bit about you? What's your kind of history up until? So you, I, I gather from talking to you out off air, um, prior to standing for um, the seat, you have a history outside of politics. Is that right? That's right. And if you'd asked me five years ago whether I would be sitting here in an interview with you talking about how to become the next member of Parliament for East Hampshire. Um, I would have said, you must be joking. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely not what you would call a professional politician. Career uh, politician, is that the term they sometimes use? They do. Yeah. And, uh, well, I feel I've already had my, my main career. So yeah. I, I spent nearly 30 years in the UK Foreign Office, yeah. serving overseas mainly. Yeah. Uh, I've served in India and Argentina and all sorts of interesting places. Um, and when I, when I finished with the Foreign Office, um, the last thought of my mind really was that I would enter, would enter politics. It's interesting because working in the Foreign Office, that gives you probably unique insight into political structures, I suspect. Well, that's right. Um, and you certainly spend a lot of time working with politicians. And mm. I, I work with politicians of, from all political parties, actually, yeah. in the UK during my, my career. And I you know, had good relationships with ministers from, from all parties, to be honest. In the civil services, you have to remain impartial. impartial of course, yeah. yeah. And so I was, wasn't a member of a political party for that period, obviously, because, mm. you know, a politically restricted job like that. I then, in my post-diplomatic life, I suddenly realised that I was getting increasingly worried and frustrated about the direction of the country for various reasons, and that, that I had two choices. One is I could sit and watch the television and, and shout at the television and get increasingly frustrated, or I could try and do something about it. I actually believe that politics in this country has taken a slightly negative turn in recent times. There's too much shouting, there's too many people trying to create um, spurious controversies about the other parties, rather than rolling up their sleeves and doing the hard work of trying to solve the many the problems. Maybe. Yeah. yeah, and you know, there are really serious problems facing this country, and we actually need politicians who are prepared to put their own egos aside for a moment and actually work together to try and tackle the problems facing the country, and you know, I'm not in the, the I'm not in the prime of life anymore. I'm a, older than the average first-time uh, parliamentary candidate. I'm not looking for a long-term political career. I'm not trying, planning to become a minister. I just want to do 
the right thing and make my contribution to, to a better type of political discourse in this country. So you sort of galvanised almost, like spurred on by maybe a frustration at the status quo to some extent. Definitely. I do, I do think we've been let down by our two m- major parties um, over the last few decades. And it is, it is important, I think it's really important for a healthy democracy that there is a strong third party which is prepared to ask the difficult questions. Yeah, it's interesting that because, you know, um, Liberal Democrats, which you are obviously representing, um, you know, in the current landscape, it, as you say, I mean, obviously they are the third party, um, but there's obviously very much a, a sort of two-party system in, in government, and at the very least, obviously, there's lots of Lib Dem MPs. Um, so it's, it's, it's really interesting to sort of define where they sit within that spectrum politically, and I'm sure people within the Liberal Democrat movement will have varying interpretations of it, no doubt, in the same way that there's a broad church in Labour and a broad church in the Conservatives. But let, let's just sort of start with that very briefly. Um, sort of Lib Dem ideology in, in relation to you, how do you interpret it as a sort of vision, um, uh, you know, for the country? So I think, um, I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, political parties are coalitions of people with slightly different views. Yeah. Uh, we're certainly seeing that with the Conservatives at the moment. You know, the range of views expressed by the Conservatives is, goes from one extreme to another, as far as I can see. But in, in the Liberal Democrats, um, I think one of the common factors behind what we believe is, is a belief that power needs to be exercised in a very careful way and that excessive concentration of power in the centre is a dangerous thing and that really you need to trust communities, trust individuals, build up a a, a sense of personal um, ownership of, of issues rather than try and impose solutions from the top, which I think is a mistake that both the main political parties mm. often make. So I think if, if the, the, the thing that I think the most distinguishes liberals from, from people who vote uh, from, from, from Labour or from Conservative is this idea in you know, belief in the local, a belief in the community, a belief in, 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 the, in, in the individual and a slight suspicion of the, of, 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 of the, the ability of central government to, to impose solutions. That, yeah, and that might be leaning in the Labour direction there, the sort of sta- very statist, you know, yeah, uh, perhaps, although maybe, you don't want to say, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> well, I think yeah. I, you'll find lots of different views within Labour too. For sure. And that's yeah, what yeah. a healthy democracy is all about, is, yeah, you know, yeah, is yeah. allowing those different political views to... to, 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 to to, to, to talk to each other and, yeah. and try and find a compromise that works for everyone. Yeah, and absolutely. And Shai Radio about hearing the, the collection of voices. Um, obviously, the um, you know sitting MP has been on, and um, Labour, if you're listening, welcome to come on as well. But it's great to have you on, Dominic. It's great to hear the Liberal vision for this area, for East Hampshire. So, um, why Lib Dems, uh, formerly Liberals in East Hampshire now? And now, um, a little bit of research from Stephen Martin, head of Shine Radio, um, discovered that uh, last time was the 1880s. They were sitting in this very, what has historically been considered a strong Conservative seat. Why now? So, I mean, 1880s is is a long time ago, and uh, it is about time we had a bit of change. I mean, I've, you know, I've spent a lot of time since I was selected as the candidate talking to people on the doorstep. I mean, I've knocked on over 2,000 doors one way or another since I, since I was elected, selected. And um, if there's one common factor in the vast majority of the conversations I've had, it is that people are very up for a bit of change. Mm-hmm. That there's a feeling that the last few years have been badly managed at the centre. That, you know, that all sorts of things have gone wrong. Um, obviously, 
people still raise party gate a lot on the doorstep mm. but it's also the 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 memories of the the budget introduced by Liz Truss and Kwasi Kwarteng last year which has had a most extraordinary effect on people's uh, uh, household incomes you know people with mortgages suddenly facing huge increases in the amount of money they have to pay and the sense that this government um, whatever you think of the individuals involved with it really doesn't have a good plan for dealing with the problems that ordinary people in this country are facing yeah and I'm hearing that everywhere across Petersfield okay uh, and everywhere across the constituency mm-hmm. um, not just in Petersfield I'm hearing it in Alton, I'm hearing it in Formarks, I'm hearing it in Horndean and Clanfield. Wherever I go, mm. it's basically variations on that same message. We really need a change. So you're sensing there's a disillusionment with the current status quo, given that this area has often really uh, been a very reliable source of Conservative votes um, historically. You feel that there's, there's, there's a noticeable, palpable shift there from your door-to-door experience? Yeah, I think that's right. And, and a sense that they've been taken for granted, to be honest, a right. little bit over, over the last few years by, by this government, yeah. that, that you, know, the, the, you know, the assumption being that you know, we don't need to worry about East Hampshire, it's always going to be reliably conservative. Mm. Well, I'm afraid if anyone still believes that, they're in for a bit of a shock this year, I think. It's going to be a very, very interesting election in many ways. And I certainly don't think that the, the large... Uh, leads that we've seen the Conservatives have in the past around here are going to be a a thing of the future. I think it's going to be a very, very tight election. And I think the Liberal Democrats, because, to be honest, it is the Liberal Democrats that are going to be the challenges to the uh, Conservatives here in East Hampshire, the other other parties. You know, I take my hat off to anyone who who wants ideologically to, to vote for a party that they support. But if they want to get rid of the Tories... Um, I hope that people from other parties will get behind the Liberal Democrats, just as in many other parts of the country, to be honest, Liberal Democrats supporters will be voting for Labour or for Green. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we need tactical to, voting. Yeah. I, think, I think we'll see a lot of tactical voting in this election, in, yeah. including in East Hampshire. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I met Dominic by um, our mutual friends, who is the equivalent for um, the Chichester constituency, uh, Jess Bramfuller, I've known for years, and she's been out actually, Shine Radio many times, in a more... Um, maybe less serious capacity talking about local Midhurst events um, and she is obviously standing for Lib Dems in uh, the neighbouring constituency so yeah you guys are, are friends via your, your work no doubt um, so brilliant very clear um, thank you for sharing that Dominic so compelling um, obviously stirring motivation that came from you know years of not actually being a politician but now you feel the time to sort of offer your voice um, let's get to the nitty gritty so you mentioned you made allu- you've alluded to some things there about Liz Truss's budget, Kwasi Kwarteng's budget under Liz Truss, um, and some difficulties the country has faced in recent times, which I don't think is a... I think that's a fair to say that the country has faced some struggles, regardless of where you stand. Um, so what are the top priorities? Now, I know I spoke to... I've tried to put it to a lot of the Shine Radio community and people I've spoken to about, like, you know, I'm going to be speaking to you. Is there anything that comes to mind? There's things I want people to hear about. I suppose, broadly speaking, for the party and for you, um, what ha- thing, you know, the top priorities I heard are NHS, the environment, and cost-living crisis. So starting with the NHS, what are the kind of... What's the visions for the Lib, Lib Dems on those particular matters? Well, well, first, what I think I should say is that when you're adopted as a... Um, candidate for an election um, it is a huge privilege Mm -hmm. and the last thing you should do is come into a constituency and say I know best Mm -hmm. what is what the constituency wants I think the first priority 
is to listen. Yeah. And so that's one of the reasons why I've been knocking on all those doors, is that I want to hear directly from people what they see the priorities are. Mm. And as you say, it's coming through loud and clear what everyone across East Hampshire, but I imagine it's more widely than that, I think my priorities should be. And the, and the good news is that they basically map on what I expected to be my priorities and what I want to be the priorities. So first of all, you're quite right to mention the National Health Service. The NHS is an absolutely critical institution for so many people and there is a lot of concern that this government has failed to find a way of getting the NHS even back to where it was before COVID. Um, but the, it is much more difficult to get an appointment with a, a general practitioner. Mm -hmm. It's much more difficult to register with an NHS dentist. If you have a, if you need to see a specialist for, uh, for cancer, for a cancer checkup, you have to wait much longer than you would want to and much longer than is healthy. Um, people are worried about uh, accident and emergency services yeah. in Hampshire, worried about the, the pressures on our, on our hospitals, um, nervous about the announcement. I mean, if you're up in the north of the con constituency, people are very nervous about the announcement that uh, Winchester accident and emergency services are going to close down. Yeah, um, and I, didn't, the, I didn't know that actually. And, and, and the, 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 they'll have to look to other places like Basingstoke. Um, so there is a lot of nervousness about accident and emergency services. Liberal Democrats, I think, offer quite a good um, menu of proposals on the National Health Service. We are, for example, committed to the proposition that everyone should be able to see a GP within a week of asking for it. Mm -hmm. Now, to be honest, that is not a hugely big ask. I mean, you think that you would be able to get to see your doctor within a week. Yeah. At the moment, too many people around the country are not able to do that. Mm -hmm. Secondly, if you have an um, urgent need to see a GP, you should have the absolute right to see that GP within 24 hours. Yeah. And so our vision for the NHS has that at its heart. So it's just speeding up the waiting time, essentially, isn't it? It's speeding up the waiting times. I mean, what is... What, 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 I mean, because they have the, have, there's a knock-on effect. Mm. If you can't see your GP... What tends to happen is you, you know, and you have a need requirement for urgent treatment. You go to your A and E department, mm -hmm. putting pressures on an A and E department that's already under a huge amount of strain, yeah. and therefore, and therefore, you're creating additional yeah. problems there. So, you, the relationship between GP services, A and E services, absolutely vital to get that get that right. So, it needs to absorb more of it before it even gets the A and E, which will loosen up the A and E um, sort of traffic. As yeah. it were. Um, that yeah, there's, I can yeah, I can see how that would addressing the GP would probably yeah help the A and E sort of hospital system in the long term. Um, and what about so you know, big one for many people is clearly sustainability in the environment. Um, increasingly pertinent and on the tip of people's tongues, and um, well, worrying people to the level of you know school strikes etc. What do you, um, does, what's the Lib Dems' vision for the environment and sustainability? Well, I think you'll when when we get to the general election and when the parties publish their manifestos. I think you will see the environment absolutely front and centre in the Liberal Democrat vision for how we should be yeah. running this country. Mm -hmm. um, there, are, there, are, there are multiple facets to this, but let me just bring out two. So first of all, in the immediate term, um, and this is particularly true of places like Hampshire, um, 
there is a huge concern about the natural environment. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the stories that we've seen over the last few months about the water companies and the uncontrolled dumping of sewage into our rivers and into our coasts, into our shores, um, has caused you know just unbelievable amount of concern. The, the, the number of times this is raised on the doorstep without, you know, without any prompting is, is extraordinary. So we need, to, we need to very quickly have a different type of relationship with, our, with the water companies. They can't get away with what they've been doing over the last yeah. decade or two. And the Liberal Democrats have been extremely strong on that. So there's a set of issues around the immediate and the short term. But there's a much bigger set of issues, if you like, around the longer term. Mm-hmm. We, we need to be confident as a nation that we are going to transition to a net zero future. We have to get rid of the consumption and production of fossil fuels as soon as we possibly can as a country. And um, uh, we have seen, to be honest, some backtracking by this government in recent Mm -hmm. times in their commitment to that proposition. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that parties, all, all three parties were coming together to vote for Theresa May's net zero bill. I think yeah. every single MP, not a single MP in the House for any party voted against that. And, and, and we, need to, we need to return to that sort of commitment. It does cross party lines, that, doesn't it? It's true. I mean, I mean, varying interpretations of how it's dealt with. But I think we can all safely say, bar a few fringe people that the environment well, is... I, I, would, I, I wish I shared your confidence, actually. Yeah. I, I, think that, I think that there are increasing number of voices in the Conservative Party who are mm. beginning to question whether net zero is the target that the country should be on. And I think that's extremely dangerous. And I don't, I, I wish it was only a few fringe voices. I think it's some, I think it's bigger than that. It's got more, more, more influence. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so obviously we live in a, a time that's probably defined to some extent by one term, one phrase that can be heard echoed in many corners, which is cost of living crisis. Um, yeah. Is there a particular, I mean, obviously that's some, you know, many factors that are beyond the control of any um, government to some extent, but there's also much that government can do to steer that. Um, what has, what's Lib Dem's vision on the, the cost of living crisis? Well, it is, it is extremely difficult. I mean, yeah. you know, the, I mean, I think the first thing that people want from politicians yeah. is honesty. Yeah. And I think people are fed up with politicians who come along and say, there are easy solutions mm. to these problems, and I'm certainly not going to say there are easy solutions. Um, we 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 have serious economic challenges in this country. Everyone is feeling that at the personal level, but it's also true of the national finances as well. Mm-hmm. I think there is a very important debate to be had about in in this country about how we pay for the public services that we need Mm. um, and ensure that we have the right balance of um, uh, the right balance in fiscal policy between public expenditure and taxation Um, and I think that based on what I've heard on the doorstep I think the there is a big, there's a strong sense that people want to ensure that this country has the resources that will allow this government to deliver the public services that, that people need. At the same time, it's really important that ordinary people, and I'm not talking about the rich here, I'm talking about ordinary people, should, we should find some way in the, in the long term 
uh, in the medium term, hopefully, to reduce the tax burden on, on ordinary people. Mm-hmm. Um, like I say, I'm not talking about the super rich, I'm just talking about ordinary people who are facing a higher tax burden these days than they've faced for, um, for generations. And that coupled with increased costs is a bit of a perfect storm in many ways. Yeah, yeah. And, the, the, and, and, and successive Conservative chancellors have made the problem worse through these stealth taxes, you know, by not changing the, the, uh, the ceilings for when you move into a new tax, in, into a new tax bracket. You know, everyone, as people's, as people's pay goes up, not necessarily more than with inflation, but their taxes, they get put into a higher tax bracket. Mm-hmm. And it becomes, it becomes increasingly um, difficult for people. Especially with mortgage rate, people who are having to pay mortgages, as you just as you said, um, and you know, even people who've paid off their mortgage, you know, you know, there's us grandparents, parents who may have paid off their mortgage. Lucky them, but they they're worried about their children and their grandchildren. How are they going to get on the, the housing la- mm-hmm. ladder if with mortgage rates as, at the rate they are and house prices the, the the rate they are? So we need to we need to find some way of breaking this circle. Um, so it's very difficult. I'm, I, as I said, I'm not going to pretend there are there are simple solutions. It's about priorities ultimately. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, talk about housing. We just sort of st- I feel like there's a really good segue there because also speaking to people, just going back to the local rather than the national, talking to people about very pressing issues in Petersfield. Obviously, housing, an endless th- thing that's on the you know the topic that probably is universal across all of Britain, um, with what you could loosely describe as a bit of a housing crisis and pledges from all three parties um, for housing and quotas um, in, in the terms of the local area and for Petersfield and for the nation. What's your stance on that, both party and personal? Yes, well, sometimes the Liberal Democrats are, are you know, we, we're told that we have a reputation for being a bit uh, nimby when it comes mm. to housing issues. I don't think that's the truth, actually. I think we're very much committed to ensuring that there is a supply of housing for young people who need it, including affordable houses for people who are not who are in jobs like nursing mm. um, uh, and and working in the public services who 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 aren't earning huge sums of money. They need to have access to housing, and you need a degree of social housing in any community yep. too. Um, the thing about housing, though, is it's really important that housing developments are done in a structured, planned, integrated way so that when you're building houses, you're also thinking about the sewage, about where the water's going to go, about the risks of flooding, about where the doctor surgeries are going to be, whether there's enough schooling, whether the bus is going to reach the the new development. Mm -hmm. And too often, all over the country, we see housing developments going up without those things being properly thought about. So our vision... And there are there are liberal Democrat leaders all all around the country, including in Hampshire. Actually, I mean, you look at what uh, what the Liberal Democrats in Eastleigh are doing, for example, who are having who are successfully building large numbers of houses, but with a properly planned, integrated way, which brings along the local communities and delivers the houses that the local communities want, not not the developers who want to build mega mansions for people who will then commute into to London. And of course, East Hampshire, ha- you know, East Hampshire has, you know, has, spe- has, has special challenges. And, and we, we need to recognise that, you know, a large swathe of East Hampshire is, is national park and is governed by its own particular rules when it comes to planning. 
and then you've got bits to the north of the constituency and then bits to the south of the constituency which are not in the national park and of course the the residents there they want assurances that when when there's going to be housing development in their areas that the you know that the local council is going to put in a plan which really looks after their interests mm-hmm. and not just the interests of the developer and to be honest it's been too long for uh, the for the for east hampshire's local plan to to come into effect it's finally was published just before christmas and there'll be a long debate no doubt about what's in and what's not in that plan um but at least we are now on a step towards having a proper plan for east hampshire brilliant so also talking about very local east hampshire specific and petersfield is obviously i mean there's this radio stations it's a perimeter span in, across what we call the petersphere which is a wide district which um, goes miles um, few miles in the radius outside of Petersfield but specific something to sort of towns I'm sure Alton has the same uh, concerns but I know Petersfield for sure does and most small towns do being of Midhurst origin myself the high street vibrancy in shops and retail we're at a time where you know high streets are diminishing and dying and fading we're all, all of I think all of us I say all of us a lot of us collectively are, regardless of party lines are, are really up for having vibrant town centres is there any vision or thoughts on that particularly I know that was a concern for many Shine Radio people yeah, well, I mean, it is absolutely critical to the health of our towns that we have, you know, we have town centres and mm. high streets which are full of vibrant local uh, uh, businesses which are which are you know, which are profitable in the current in the current times, mm-hmm. um, and you know, it, it's clear that every town in the in in England in in the UK has struggled in recent times. The rate's part of it, though? You know, there are ways to manage or regulate Yeah, those. well, exactly. So the, the Liberal Democrats are doing some interesting work in, in, in thinking about how you could um, use reform of business rates mm-hmm. to inter- incentivize better use of vacant uh, uh, lots in high streets. Yeah. And I think you'll find when, we, when our manifesto is published that there'll be some quite interesting proposals to that effect about how we can... By, by quite some quite simple tweaks to the business rate uh, proposition, uh, create incentives for people to to move into some of these uh, some of these vacant uh, shop fronts and, yeah. and, and and start making them viable again. Yeah. Because I mean, it's absolutely critical to the health of a of a oh, of yeah. a place like Petersfield. It's crucial. I mean, this is a market town. You go on a good day. Petersfield is an incredibly buzzing, vibrant place, and it feels um, and you just want you know. Uh, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not a business owner of Petersfield. I know the inner workings, but um, you know, I know that across towns of this size, across the country, there's always slight concern with shops closing and mm-hmm. keeping the flow. And I, I think this resonates with a lot of listeners, I believe. Um, but also, the other thing that comes up regularly. Uh, I don't know if you've got a response to this, but potholes, <laughs> the endless ah, yes. plight of the the, Eng- the British citizen on the on the, the country lanes of England. Well, there's probably no issue that is more regularly talked about to <laughs> politicians of any, any political party yeah. anywhere in the country. Yeah. I mean, and to be honest, I think if you ask people to say which, which part of the country has the worst pothole problem, I think every single constituency in the whole nice. of England would say yeah. ours is the problem. No, 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 no Dominic, ours, ours is the worst. Okay. <laughs> sorry, so we're just having a... <laughs> no, I am absolutely clear. Now, now I am the candidate for East Hampshire. <laughs> yeah. I am entirely prepared to believe yeah. that proposition. But if, you know, it's very interesting. You said you, know, you mentioned Jess uh, Brown Fuller in Chichester. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I've canvassed with her in in, in and around um, um, Chichester on many occasions, and you, uh, it's clearly a huge issue. Um, 
I mean, these these were roads. Um, some of these rural roads were built for in a different era when the n- amount of road traffic was much was a fraction of what it is t- now. Mm-hmm. And we do need to have reliable systems for ensuring that they are repaired. Um, otherwise, it can be incredibly dangerous. I had a. I was talking to someone uh, uh, last weekend in Horndean who was a, a motorcyclist, and he says he's he's scared now to to to, to go to, to cycle on some of the roads he used to um, to, to to cycle on because he because because of the, the potholes. Um, obviously, potholes are are a local government issue, not a Westminster issue. Though I noticed that Rishi Sunak has tried to jump on the pothole bandwagon and say that that uh, filling in potholes is, is, is an adequate replacement for um, cancelling HS2, which was a slightly uh, 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 tenuous argument. But um, it is absolutely uh, critical that we resource local government suf- enough to make sure that they can deliver their statutory duty to keep our roads uh, safe. And that means getting rid of the potholes. And where's the money going to come from, generally speaking? Do you know, is there a sort of plan to how to loosen up these funds, which are clearly not available at the moment because there's a lot of bottles I well I mean the it's a whole new su- subject uh, Jack the um, the state of local government finances mm. is I think one of the big issues around the corner politically yeah and whoever is going to form the next government um, is going to have a real challenge and we've already seen a number of councils around the country going bankrupt yeah. um, and uh, and we will doubtless see more I hope not too many because every time a council does go into special measures it means that they have to drastically cut back on public services um, and some of the some of the and the pressures um, sometimes it's bad management but sometimes it's simply that the pressures of delivering that what's required statutorily for example mm. adult social services for example is just um, is just too much for the budgets that they've been given by, so by national governments. Priorities, essentially. It's about it's yeah. about priorities. Yeah. And um, I, I'm afraid this government has, you know, has, like on so many issues, has basically dodged the, the problem and said we're we're not going to address it. And it's the council's problems; they've got to sort it out themselves. I mean, I'd like to think that whoever wins the next general election won't will feel they can't duck this issue anymore. So you <clears throat> referred to a Horndean cyclist there. I just want to come to something which is, you know, right here you're doing your work and on the campaign trail. There's going to be an election this year. When it is, we don't know. I could ask you to speculate on that, but maybe that'd be unfair, given the fact we none of us really have a clue, do we? Um, but the um, you've been out on the doors. Um, what's been the general set? Has it surprised you? Have you been interested to hear what you've encountered? Is it, is it, or was it aligned with what you expected? Well, I mean, I would say this, Jack, wouldn't I? But I would say... I mean, I had, I had expected the reaction to be quite good to the Liberal Democrats because I know that the local party's been doing a fantastic job, did really well in the local elections in May. Yeah. But um, I, have be, I have been really pleasantly surprised by just how positive the reaction has been. Really? I mean, there are lots of people who are thinking of voting Liberal Democrat for the first time, people who've voted Conservative all their lives who are saying, um, actually, it's about time that we had a change. Um, um, and I think that the Liberal Democrats offer quite a good option for those who are thinking of who, uh, uh, of not voting Conservative for the first time, because you know we don't bite. We're, but we're uh, I don't bite anyway. Uh, and, Hasn't so far. Um, you know, my, I believe in a, a in a really quite 
a sort of optimistic vision of politics in which people can come together and mm. try and solve these big problems we've been talking about in this interview mm. together. Yeah. That we can build some bridges in our society rather than shout at each other. Yeah. And that's what I've entered into uh, politics to do. I'm not going to, I'm not going to shout at my opponents. Mm. I'm going to say, if you want to work with me, I'm here to work with you. I'm, I'm a bridge builder. Mm. Um, I'm a problem solver. And I think that's what the Liberal Democrats are. And I think that sort of an option will be quite attractive to large numbers of people in East Hampshire. Yeah, yeah. It's not, not, not too sort of tribal. Um, yeah, so Hampshire. Um, any, as, a, as now someone who's vying to represent this uh, uh, beautiful corner of the country, any um, favourite spots around the Petersville vicinity that come to mind? Am I allowed to, to mention two? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, um, so the other day um, uh, I went up onto Butzer Hill and it must have been one of the coldest days in recent memory. I have never, I've never, but it was, it was clear and it was beautiful. Mm. And despite the cold, it was amazing how many other people had had the same idea. Mm. And I thought this was the most fantastic sort of place for, for people to come and have a look at, and you can see, you can see almost across the constituency, it would mm. seem from, from Butser Hill. So, and you know, I thought it's this is- a spot in the South Downs, highest, highest, highest point. Well, there you are. <laughs> and um, I, I, I just thought this is, this is, this is, this is a great place. I wish it was a bit less cold, but um, uh, this is, this is, this is a great place. And then I'm going to I'm going to mention a, a, a shop. Actually, we were talking about the high street in in Petersfield. Um, it's the thing that first brought me to Petersfield in the first place. Is a, is a good friend of mine from university uh, set up a bookshop here uh, called One Tree Books in Petersfield. Mm, and Sean Brady's got a close relationship. <laughs> and I hope I hope I'm not breaching any of your uh, <laughs> your your terms of broadcasting. And it's not advertising, but One Tree Books as books is what brought me to Petersfield in the first place. And okay. and, and I just think it's one of the great, great bookshops of the of the country, and I could I could just live there, to be honest. Yeah, it's universally loved. I mean, it's a great shop. It's got everything you want, book wise, and it does it does it serves community, which is what you're obviously here to talk about. And it does serve community because you get all the local writers. So I interviewed a guy called Rupert Graves from South Arting, a really interesting, fascinating writer, and he launched his new book there. A poet I had on Rabat back launched his per- book poetry. You know, it's always launching books left, right, and centre for local people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a hub. It's, it, those things are invaluable to community. Um, great to. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't contest you on either of those choices there. Um, um, so yeah, brilliant. I mean, I think that's. Um, oh, and of course, question time was on recently in Petersfield. Uh, much the talk of the town. I'm, sh- I'm sure you were tuned into that. I don't know if you were present in the audience or you were tuned into it via television. What do you think? Well, um, the, I understand that question time is very, takes great care to make sure that the audience is balanced. Yeah. So, uh, so that they. I assume that when they built that audience, that there were a decent number of conservatives in the audience. Well, to judge where the way the conversation went and the sort of the way the audience was reacting to some of the things that the panelists were saying, it made me wonder where those conservatives were. I mean, and they felt they looked very liberal democrat in, in my view. So my 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 my. my <laughs> so you enjoyed it. <laughs> so I enjoyed it a lot, um, yeah. and I, I I do feel that. Um, I, I do feel that we, we, we as a party offer something to, to people who, who may, be, may be beginning to tire of their old uh, affiliation with the Conservatives. And, you know, I, and I, I, don't, I don't really blame them, to be honest. Um, yeah, no, it was a, a good programme. Um, 
and uh, some really, really great questions from, from the audience and some, some very, I'll tell you something, there's some very eloquent and articulate people in, in Petersburg, but to judge by the, yeah. the, the no, questions from the audience. I'm definitely one of them. <laughs> that's, what I've, that's what I've heard. <laughs> Uh, no, that's. I think that's a, um, a really good sort of note to end on, perhaps, which is, um, you know, that there is a simmering change, there's a shift, a palpable shift, whether it's a shift large enough to work in the favour of your party and your aim, we shall find out. Well, thank you very much for having me on, Jack, and I hope you'll, as this, as my, uh, my campaign's only just begun, so yeah. as, it, as it proceeds, do, I hope you'll invite me back again yeah, and I can give you an update, and if ever you want to come on the campaign trail with me yeah. and, and observe observe some of the interactions with the voters. I'll be on See that first hand. Come yeah. along anytime you like. Let's get the people of Petersburg on. Um, Dominic Martin, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Um, so you've been listening to Jack Finch on Shine Radio in a, in a semi sort of noisy um, Queen's Head uh, pre-recorded interview with Dominic Martin. Um, standing for the Liberal Democrat Party for um, the local constituency in uh, on the campaign trail. Have an Natter with us. Stay tuned. It's Rise and Shine. Made by volunteers in Petersfield, this is Shine Radio. Oh, it's like being in a little family. Um, I love the community spirit. I like coming out to events like this. This is my first event with Shine. I'm honing in on my editing skills right now. I've been allowed free reign of the controls this weekend. And yeah, just learning loads of new skills, being able to broadcast, interview, it's really good. Petersfield's Shine Radio, you make it shine. Call Petersfield 555 500 or email team at shineradio.uk.